You know, 10 months ago, we made a decision to redefine our direction. We knew there would be ups and downs this season. We knew that we would encounter some things that were going to be difficult, and we did. Uh, with that said, I think we're in a, a better place today than we were at this time last year. And I think we have an opportunity to grow as an organization starting today. Locked On Bulls, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, a show for the most passionate fan base in the NBA. Levine, he goes right. Oh! Stop it, Samson! Did you not get the memo? Hosts Jordan Malley and Matt Peck dive into the best Bulls news and stories around the NBA. Enos Cantor, what are you doing? The finisher in New York City. Your number one source for Chicago Bulls news and stories. We're going to preach patience. It doesn't mean we're not going to be looking for ways to get better, but a lot of it's going to come internally. We need Zach Levine to be a better basketball player. Chris Dunn to come back a better player. Lowry Markkinen, Bobby Portis, you go down the line. They have to put in the time and confident that they will. So kick back, relax, and get ready for the best hour of your day. Like I said at the beginning, I feel better today about our, our direction and our position than I did a year ago. Locked on Bulls starts now. Here are your hosts, Jordan Malley and Matt Peck. What's up and welcome into Locked On Bulls, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. We're live on Dash Radio, DashRadio.com and the Dash Radio app on the Nothing But Net channel. We're live on Dash Radio every Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday, 10 a.m. Eastern, 9 a.m. Central Time. That's tomorrow morning, 10 a.m. Eastern, 9 a.m. Central Time. I'm your host, Jordan Malley, writer of Bulls Basketball and the NBA at LockedOnBulls.com and College Hoops over at SB Nation. Along with me is Matt Peck, writer of Bulls Basketball and the NBA at LockedOnBulls.com and host of the 312 Show on AM 1590 WCGO in Chicago. Follow us on social media on Twitter at LockedOnBulls, at Jordan C. Malley, and at Bulls underscore Peck. Like us on Facebook, Facebook.com slash LockedOnShyBulls. We just hopped on Instagram, so go follow us on Instagram as well, at LockedOnBulls. Subscribe to the show on iTunes, Android, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, and anywhere you find podcasts, you will find us. Our text and voicemail lines at 331-979-1369. Hit us up there with all of your questions, your reaction, predictions for tonight's game against the Pacers or maybe the outcome after that. Whatever it is, we'd love to hear from you. 331-979-1369. So normally we do mailbag on today's episode, but we have a special guest for today's episode, and that is David Kaplan. He hosts Cap and Company 9 a.m. to 12 p.m. Monday through Friday on ESPN 1000 here in Chicago. He's also the host of Sports Talk Live on NBC Sports Chicago, among a million other things that he does, the hardest working guy in Chicago sports. So we have him on to talk about the Chicago Bulls, the NBA in general, and so much more. Get all of his preseason predictions ahead of time because there hasn't been that much Bulls talk, and he hasn't given a lot of his predictions either. So we get all of that and so much more on today's episode. So without further ado here is david kaplan from espn 1000 right now we're very pleased to welcome back to locked on bulls one of our favorite people to talk to he is the host of cap and company on espn 1000 weekdays 9 a.m to noon as well as the host of sports talk live weeknights on nbc sports chicago he does cubs pre and post game on nbc sports chicago as well follow him on twitter at the Catman. he is the hardest working person in chicago sports media david kaplan cap welcome back to the show buddy how are you Guys, it is great to be with you. It's uh, it's great to have you back on the show. Before we get into basketball talk, Cap, we, we got to check in real quick. What are you doing while all of your extra free time? No more Cubs pre and post game. The, the Cubs make this abrupt playoff exit. What are you doing with all this time on your hands? 
so I still do my radio show every day, and then I do my TV show on NBC Sports Chicago, and then I, as soon as college basketball kicks off, I do about 30 college basketball games a year on various networks, mostly on NBCSN nationally. So, you know, between all of that, my wife, our kids, and our three dogs, I keep hopping. So it's it's plenty. I said to her the other day, we were having dinner, and she's like, it's so nice to have you home again. Because in the summertime, there are days I don't have a game because they're not all on NBC, but there are a lot of days, 80-some, where we've always got baseball. So it's it's been nice to be home a little bit, even though I wish my team was still playing. Yeah, I, I feel you there. It's definitely a, a, a rough adjustment to all of a sudden not getting to watch a whole lot of Cubs postseason baseball. But hey, that's you know that's uh, a pretty awesome silver lining based on Cubs teams of years past. Um, you know, you, you've probably got more time on your hands without Cubs postseason to watch Bulls preseason games, which you know a lot of Bulls fans <laughs> probably tossed to the side. Uh, any, any biggest takeaways of yours through what you've seen through the Bulls' first three preseason games? Kind of a mixed bag on offense, and as advertised, the defense looks real. Bleak. What are you, what are your thoughts so far? Look, you know, I, I'm a huge basketball guy. I worked in the league for four years scouting. I coached in college for four years, so basketball is you know one of my passions. And to watch a team be as bad defensively as they are, I watched a play the other night where Jabari Parker is literally not even trying defensively on the wing. He had a guy come attack from the wing. He just turned in an Ole position, never tried to get his body in front of the guy, and gave up a layup at the rim. And I thought to myself, you got to be kidding me. I know it's preseason, and I know you don't want to get run over by some 6'9 guy who weighs 240 pounds, but make an effort for crying out loud. Make an effort. And when you give up 60 points uh, in the first half in back-to-back games, that tells me guys are not – giving max effort defensively they can tell me all they want you know we're trying and it's the preseason and this and that i i find their defensive play right now embarrassing as a basketball guy i think you're not alone with that i think 99.9 percent of bulls fans out there probably been seeing that if you're watching any extent of this game any extent of the preseason games going on so far i think i'm i'm not only shocked by the lack of switching and when they do switch on defense, guys are getting burned. Like you had mentioned before, Parker and I believe it was Chris Dunn tried to to make a switch and Parker just got burned past by the Hornets. And then their inability to guard the perimeter too, I think is also going to be something that a lot of the opponents the Bulls play this season, especially early on, are going to try to take advantage of like the Bulls when they, they drop everybody to the basket they leave three or four guys open and Milwaukee exposed them. So what I guess my question is here, and maybe it's a simple answer, simpler answer than we're making it out to be, but how do you combat such a bad defense and be able to at least stay in games this season or in early on when you don't have marketed for maybe the first 20, 25 of the games this season? What do the Bulls have to do to at least stay in games this year? Well, well, here's the, the, the big problems for me. One, Name me the shooters that are on this team. And I'm not talking about a guy who occasionally knocks down a triple. I'm talking about guys that that's what they're there for because they can make volume shots. You give them a good number of shots, they're going to make a lot of them for you. 
Markkinen, okay, he's one. He's out. Give me another pure, uh, that guy is going to make shots for me. I'm struggling to find one. So if you don't have that, you better take unbelievable care of the basketball, and your point guard better be able to not only take care of the ball, govern tempo, and get everybody in the right spots. I'm not sure they have that guy in their roster. Chris Dunn's okay. He's a nice player, but he's not anything where you go, oh, my goodness, we've got that solved. You don't. Campaign can't play. So while I understood why they made the trade, because they were not going to keep McDermott, they weren't going to keep Taj, they got nothing back. That's just the bottom line. Whether they tried to buy a lottery ticket on a former lottery pick, they did not get anything back. So I don't know who's going to run your stuff and make sure, hey, man, when the ball is in my hands, we're going to be in the right spot. We're going to get everything taken care of. So those are two huge problems. And then when you don't guard, holy smokes, you are really dealing with a whole bunch of issues. Yeah, well, when you're talking about who's going to knock down shots and who's going to guard, uh, I mean, Jabari Parker is the, the hometown kid that I think a lot of the fan base has been trying to get excited about and rally around. But his preseason action so far has not looked good um, in either of those categories. He's had a couple of nice moves uh, working on mismatches in the post, uh, including like a nice little uh, shimmy shake uh, for a dunk against Charlotte. But from the perimeter, Jabari's shot has been gross in these preseason games. Bulls fans say, well, you know, he didn't shoot a lot of threes in Milwaukee because his coach didn't let him, but he's going to be a, a real reliable three-point threat for the Bulls this season. Doesn't look like it so far. Um, and, I mean, defensively, Cap, I got to ask you, what bothers you more, watching Jabari's horrendous defense on the court in these preseason games or hearing his responses to the media when he's asked about his bad defense? Because he's, it's just like one after another foot-in-mouth responses by Jabari from day one saying, well, they're not paying me to play defense, to really just doubling down on that recently with a comment that's, well, it's really just about outscoring your opponent. What are your thoughts on that? Uh, all of that is very frustrating, very frustrating. And I like Jabari. He's a nice kid. I've had him on my TV show in studio. And, you know, I like his family a lot. I've known his dad, Sonny, for a long, long time. But that all aside, you said gross, and I think that that's such a great word. I, I, it's a word I haven't used in a long time, and I think I'm going to steal it from you. That's a great way to describe a lot of what we've been watching. And the fact that his body, to me, looks doughy, and I'm not the only one saying it, this is a guy who had multiple ACL injuries. You would think, and I read about Russell Westbrook, he said, you know, I wasn't a huge weightlifter, and then when I hurt my knee, I went, okay, I got to get my body in shape, and I got to get strong. And now, you look at Russell Westbrook, and that guy's a beast. I mean, an absolute animal. And I don't see that from Jabari. There's more to the game than just going out and playing a little bit of basketball and going out and doing a little cardio. That's not what it is anymore. You got, And you're going to play on the wing in this league, and you're not going to be able to be physical because you're not strong enough? That, for me, is gross. 
Before we get back to more of our interview with David Kaplan, we all love a night out, whether it's your favorite band, maybe you want to go see the Bulls play a couple more preseason games, or when they end up at home in the regular season in just a few weeks, or you're looking to go to a Bears game, whatever it is, Vivid Seats, you can attend the concert show sporting event of your choice at a great price. Vivid Seats is the top source for tickets for all the live events you want to go to. You can sort by price or look for seats in the section and row of your choice. To make things even better, Vivid Seats is giving our listeners here at Locked on Bulls, an exclusive promo code for new customers to receive $20 off. Yes, that's $20 off, $200 or more to save even more money. Go to the App Store or Google Play and download the Vivid Seats app. Use promo code Locked On for $20 off, $200 or more as a new customer of Vivid Seats. Every purchase is backed by a 100% buyer guarantee from the biggest concerts and games to the hottest theater and more. Vivid Seats has it all. Download the app, enter promo code Locked On for $20 off, $200 or more that's locked on as a new customer of Vivid Seats. Make a memory that lasts a lifetime. Let Vivid Seats help you get to your favorite live event. Hit up Vivid Seats once again, $20 off, $200 or more. At, use the promo code locked on. Now, here's more from David Kaplan. I think the other thing, too, that I think we're forgetting about, and I don't know if, if Parker's just trying to get used to the fact that there's going to be pressure on him all season long from coaches, from the fans, from the front office, from himself, because realistically, he's only had a one-year contract. So maybe that's playing to part why he's played so poorly in preseason. I can't imagine, and I was telling Matt this a couple of days ago, I can't imagine that he's had a worse streak of offensive shooting ever in his career. We go back all the way to Simeon, go go to Duke, go to the first couple of years with the Bucs. There's no way that he was shooting under 24%, which is is exactly what he was shooting in preseason through the first three games. So I got to imagine that some of the buckets are going to fall, but the defense is going to be a problem for him. But I want to switch. I want to switch to a guy that I think a lot of people had some doubts about this summer. Signed a four-year, $78 million contract with the Bulls. People were skeptical, and that's about Zach Levine. Through the first three preseason games, I've told Matt, too, I think the bounce in his step, it seems like he is every bit as athletic and every bit as explosive as he was before his ACL injury in Minnesota. And we saw him kind of 50 to 70% last year with the Bulls. What have you seen from Zach Levine so far? Are you a guy that's kind of high on Zach Levine right now, or you just kind of wait and see, see if he can actually put up those offensive numbers? Well... I like Zach Levine as an athlete. I like Zach Levine as a competitor. I'm just not sure where he fits in on a championship-level team. Now, this is no championship-level team, obviously. But when you pay $78 million, you expect, I'm getting a pretty darn good player. I know the salary structure is out of whack when Jabari Parker's getting $20 million guaranteed. I mean, there's a reason Milwaukee let the second overall pick in the draft, and we're not talking about 15 years ago. We're talking about a handful of years ago. Walk out the door for nothing. Zero. Yeah, go ahead. We are not going to uh, hang on to you. That is raises uh, big red flags for me. But on the Zach Levine front, I think he's in better shape. I think he's got his legs back. I think he has a chance to be a really good player. But if he's one of your top two, your team's going nowhere. On top of that, too, let's touch on somebody else who's been pretty good offensively for the Bulls in preseason and is building off the season he had last year. Think about just a year time 
from last year where Bobby Portis and Nico Miritich, the fight happens, Bobby's suspended, Nico's out for two months. The season that he put together last season and then just replicating that in preseason this year, where do you stand on Bobby Portis? Do you feel like a negotiation for a long-term extension is going to get done with Portis? I know he's been asking for, it's the reports have been 15 to 16 million per year. And if you don't think there's a contract extension there for Bobby Portis this season, what kind of value can you get on the trade market for a guy that can come off the bench and score at a high volume for you and be that sort of spark plug that a lot of teams are looking for in the league? I mean, look, I like Bobby. He's a competitor. And you're right, he's a volume scorer. He can make shots. But there is not a huge market in terms of giving you something amazing back. You're not getting an unprotected lottery pick for Bobby Portis. You're just not. You're not getting an oh-my-goodness type of player to come in here for Bobby Portis. Nice player. If he's made available and you can get him for you know, a later first-round pick, sure, anybody would do that. Veteran, big guy, good guy in your room, all of that. But you need to keep guys that have that type of ability, not trade them if the assets are not going to be franchise-changing assets. That all said, Bulls have to be very, very careful. They've done a really good job, Gar and Pax. As much as they get criticized, they've done a really good job at keeping their cap to the point where they're not a luxury tax repeat offender. They have space to go out and add an impactful free agent next year. But you start spending 19 on Zach Levine and 15, 16 on Bobby Portis and 20 million on Jabari Parker. And then if you end up thinking you're going to pick up his option and you go, Oh God, what, what are we doing here? That's not the <laughs> crux or the the epicenter of a, championship team so for me I like Wendell Carter I think he's going to be a nice piece I like that they've got Lowry marketing but beyond that it's a lot of mismatch parts that don't guard that don't have great shooters so that's why me as a fan is thinking boy if we're not going to be a playoff team this year I'd really like to, to sink and find myself at the top of that lottery and then go now I got myself my impact guy we're talking with David Kaplan on Locked on Bulls. Follow Cap on Twitter, at the Catman. Uh, and David, you just queued up my next question for you beautifully because there's been kind of an ongoing debate between Jordan, myself, some of our listeners, as far as where the Bulls should go this season if, say, on March 1st, they are four or five games out of the eight seed, which I think is a realistic possibility, especially with now missing marketing for the first chunk of the season. From your perspective, what would be better for the Bulls, more beneficial for the rebuild? A lot of optimistic fans say, hey, maybe it's only a seventh or eighth seed and we're only in one round before we're bounced. But if we're a few games out March 1st, I want us and I want the young team fighting for that playoff spot to get some playoff experience for this young roster. I hold myself in the camp of, you know what, if they're three, five games out of the eighth seed come March 1st, I want them to shut it all down come up with some fake injuries, turn and tank towards the top of that lottery list. Which side of the fence are you on there? Yeah, 100% with you. 100%. Teams that sit around and, you know, battle to get the 7-8 seed, finish 9, whatever it is in that, you know, group of meaningless teams because they're not going to win a championship. That's not the way it goes in the NBA. They sit there for year after year. You know, God, if we just had this. 
if that shot had just dropped, if we had just gotten on that little roll right there, if that guy didn't tweak his ankle. I'm just telling you, this team is eons from winning a championship. So if that's the case, I would much prefer to see them picking at the top of the draft and hopefully getting that impactful player that you go, okay, we got a franchise changer. Doesn't mean he's going to be there. Or doesn't mean you're going to take him if he is there. You got to get that part right. But that's where championships are won. You got to draft well. You look at Golden State. They did an amazing job drafting, and they weren't even at the top of the draft. But again, they don't have a lot of well-matched parts right now. They've added more talent, no question about it, but not enough talent where I want to see that team in the playoffs if they can't do damage. Before we shift to the NBA as a whole, I ha- we've got to get your take on this because you put up a poll that I think the reaction to it on Twitter, I, I was taken back by how many people voted on this poll and we've made we've had this discussion for the last few days that's about derrick rose derrick rose's number being retired by the chicago bulls you put up a poll on october 5th eight almost nineteen thousand people voted on this poll whether or not the bulls should retire it an overwhelming amount of people 67 percent said no the bulls should not retire his number where do you sit i'm assuming that matt and i have similar thoughts that the bulls shouldn't retire his number is that kind of the camp that you're sitting in and maybe just because he only had a few handful of good seasons here but i was surprised the impact that his name was making still in chicago when we talk about whether or not retiring his number or bringing him back whatever the conversation is around Derek rose it's always high so where do you sit on that well eighteen thousand plus votes in 24 hours and as you said 67 percent said don't retire it and i didn't vote my own poll question but i would be one of those 67 percent uh for me when you get your number retired we're talking about legendary status legendary i mean going in the hall of fame is one thing that's a league-wide honor a sport-wide honor but when you are had your number retired, and it hangs in the rafters. It's not a, hey, thanks for that one MVP. Hey, thanks for, you know, being from Chicago and having some good memories for it. No. It's, oh, my goodness. That is a legendary player. I mean, you retire the number of a guy that the day they traded him, I guarantee you 80% of Bulls fans went, hallelujah, thank goodness. No shot. Do you retire this guy's number? You want to have him be an ambassador someday if he wants to come back around? He's a Chicago kid and all of that. I get it. Retire his number? Absolutely not. Yeah, I was telling Matt, too, that maybe that they set up something for the MVP season uh, 10 years down the road in the United Center where people, I don't know, uh, not necessarily a statue because a statue is also a symbol of greatness. And while the one season at the MVP was, I don't know what they can do to honor that, but I feel like there's something small that the Bulls could do throughout the United Center just to honor him, whether it is a small statue, a, a display, a small banner, whatever it is to to honor his MVP season because he did take the city by storm and We've said it before, like he was the most talked about athlete in this city back in 2010, 2011, and even back before he was drafted. But I think I agree when you're talking about putting your number up against Scottie Pippen and Michael Jordan up in the Raptors, I don't think Derrick Rose even comes into the conversation as much as the heart 
and everybody that loved him coming up from Chicago says that you want that to happen. I just don't think it's realistic when you're comparing it to guys like Pippen and Jordan who are up in the rafters. Yeah, I don't disagree with anything that you said there. Statue, I'd have a real problem with. Because that, for me, a statue is at an entirely different level than having your number retired. A statue should be where 30 years from now, some guy standing there with his young son and says, that's one of the icons of our franchise. It's one of the greatest players to ever wear our uniform. I can't say that about Derek. Yes, he won a MVP. That team never even got to a finals. Not even one. So, yeah, statue, no. You want to put up something that says – you know, MVP trophies, and they have Michaels up there, and they want to put Derek up there. I'm okay with that. But jersey retirements and statues, those are for Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen, Bobby Hall, Walter Payton. Those are impactful names. Yeah, I'm with you guys as well, too. I, I don't see Rose's jersey as being worthy of retired and hanging in the rafters at the Madhouse. Um, all right, Cap, now let's uh, talk for a second about the guy who, since Jordan, is probably the second best bull. Uh, behind Rose when Rose was in his prime, and that's Jimmy Butler. I, I know for a guy in your shoes who has a pretty solid friendship and relationship with ex-Bulls coach, now head coach of Minnesota, Tom Thibodeau, wh- what have you been thinking watching all of this unfold from afar, the saga of Jimmy demanding a trade, Tibbs trying to convince him to stay and hold all of that together as the coach and the president I mean, are you are you trying to not take sides through this whole ordeal? And what's how do you see this playing out? Well, look, when Jimmy was here, he's a very good player, and he's worked really hard to make himself a very good player. But I never looked at Jimmy and went, okay, that is a franchise-changing, championship-level player. I thought he was, you know, top 20 top 25 guys in the NBA, but was he one of the top 10 players in the league? Not for me, he was not. I didn't ever see that from Jimmy Butler. And I thought there's a little bit of diva in there as well. Oh, you had guys in that locker room that had issues with dealing with Jimmy. They just did. And he's a really talented guy. He has a work ethic that is off the charts. That's why he's become what he's become. Apparently, he does not get the same vibe or work commitment from Andrew Wiggins and Carl Anthony Towns, and so that's a problem for him. And then they go and offer the $190 million to Carl Anthony Towns, who, if he's locked in at both ends, is a better player than Jimmy Butler. So Jimmy says, I want out. Now, if I'm Tibbs, am I giving him away? I can't do that. I've got a team that should be in the top – four in the West. They're probably not winning a championship, but top four in the West they could be. And unless you're going to give me something back that I feel like I can build with going forward, you just give this guy away because he wants to leave. I would like to see ownership say, yeah, you know what, Jimmy, we're probably going to have to rebuild when you leave anyway. So we're good. We're going to make you play or you're not getting paid. So Either play for us or you don't play or someone's going to give us an otherworldly package, which I don't think is going to happen. But these owners cave all the time, so I guess he'll be moving on. 
Yeah, and I guess it's not even the worst case scenario. If even if Butler leaves for nothing for the Timberwolves, at least you still got Carl Anthony Towns and you still have Andrew Wiggins. So that's something. It's not like letting a guy walk and you don't have anything. Maybe in the case of the Bulls, if they didn't trade him and let him walk, they would have had nothing. So they had to deal him. But it is interesting the value that's coming in as far as what teams are willing to trade for Jimmy Butler. And, you know, the price point is probably a little bit lower than what the Bulls were able to get for him. And I get that you're only getting him for a season, but still very, very surprised. And I think what we saw from Jimmy Butler and what we were trying to explain to a lot of our listeners is the fact that, like, you can appreciate who Jimmy Butler was when he started here with the Bulls and the kind of person he was and his personality and the way he played hard and always played for the team. But the fact of the matter is, is guys can change. Like stars can arise and they can change personality wise. And I think a lot of people saw that at the last year or so of Jimmy Butler being here. And then now you're really seeing it in Minnesota from afar. So I think a lot of Bulls fans are happy with the trade that went on last year and just kind of now seeing all, all of the question marks about Jimmy Butler's personality. And maybe he's got too big of an ego for some people uh, you see that kind of coming to fruition with the Minnesota Timberwolves. So it'll be an interesting thing to keep an eye on. Oh, I wanted to get your perspective, though, Cap, on rebuilding. Because obviously you've covered the Cubs for a long time. You covered them all the way through the rebuild, through the successes that they've had now. And I was curious, is there any similarities, any parallels that you can draw from a rebuild in baseball, what the, the Cubs had to go through for a handful of years before they had success? And can you parallel that? to a Bulls team that's now rebuilding and how you build in the NBA? Is there any parallels, any similarities that teams can go through in the NBA and the MLB? And what are some of the differences that maybe make it easier or more difficult in the NBA to build through a rebuild? Well, I think it's way harder to rebuild in the NBA, way harder. Because, you know, you're in a lottery position. I mean, the Cubs had the second worst record in 2013 or 2012 and the 2013 draft gave them Chris Bryant and in the NBA they might not have gotten Chris Bryant because they may not have gotten the second pick you know you're subject to some of the lottery rules to prevent tanking which we're seeing a lot of tanking in the NBA now so it's much much more difficult in the NBA baseball no salary cap luxury tax but if you've got an owner who says I'll go over the luxury tax then you have you know, a real decided advantage there. So I I would not want to be a GM in the NBA today because it's really, really difficult to rebuild, really difficult. Yeah, of course, there's a lot of pressure and expectations on the Bulls front office from a fan base that is trying to be patient but really had run out of patience with this front office before they traded Jimmy and started this rebuild. For the front office, though, I don't think anyone believes that they are on a hot seat of any kind because we know of the trust that exists between the Reinsdorf family and Paxson and Gar Foreman, especially John Paxson. Uh, but somebody who's getting a little bit of talk of, around his name and someone who might be on a hot seat this season for a team that's trying to rebuild and make that happen is head coach Fred Hoiberg coming into year four of his five-year deal. Cap, do you think Fred should be on the hot seat this season uh, and say the Bulls, especially without Lowry, do struggle uh, and are you know several games under 500 through the first couple months of the season? Or do you think he deserves a, a bit of a longer leash and a little bit of trust from this front office who finally, after years of saying, ah, younger and more athletic, actually start, are starting to give him some pieces that he can work with? Uh, it's a great question. Great question, well phrased. Look, 
here's where I am on Fred. Fred's a really wonderful person. And Fred knows basketball. I just don't think Fred's ever been given a chance to be successful here. I don't. I think the narrative was, and I mean, Matt own admission, you know, we get, we've got this Fred Hoiberg coming in, and, you know, we know all too well how bad things were between the Chicago Bulls front office and Tom Thibodeau. So that immediately caused a real rift. They bring Fred in, and the narrative that was spun, right or wrong, was, guess what? We get rid of this big, bad Tom Thibodeau. We get some offensive guy in here with really good pace and space, and we can win big. Well, didn't quite work out that way. Fred got here and went, wait, 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 wait. wait. The Mercedes that you promised me is running like a 78 Gremlin. Are you kidding? What's going on here? (laughs) And then they go out and get – Wade, Rondo, just awful decisions trying to see if they could hang on. Those were just bad, bad moves. Now they finally have committed, but they've given a guy who's a pace and space, three-point shooting coach, no shooters. So I don't think he's ever had a chance. I do think he's in trouble. I do think that if, indeed, the Chicago Bulls get off to a really bad start, like last year they were 3-20, and they get off to a start like that, I do not believe he'll be the coach by January 1st. Wow. I uh, that's To me, I, I think if the Bulls are on a path where they're going to lose less than 27 games, I think I'm right there with you. I feel like I'm the only one in this city that's still kind of a defender of Fred Hoiberg. I feel like he hasn't gotten a fair shake. And even with the team that's assembled this year, this is probably as close to a pace and space team that you can – you can possibly get to in the four years that Fred's been here, but at the same time, you lose the star. The one chip, the one key that I think that could have kept Fred Hoiberg's job alive is Larry Markinen, and you miss him for the first 25 games of the season. Things might not start to go well. I've got to ask you one final question about the NBA as a whole, though, Cap. What was your favorite move this offseason, and what team do you think is going to surprise a lot of people in the NBA that maybe didn't last year? That's a really good question. I think Boston can win the title. I do. I think getting Gordon Hayward back and healthy, I think I think Brad Stevens is the best coach in the league. I, I love the guy. I did a lot of Butler basketball when he was the coach there, and I think Fred, uh, Brad is an amazing coach, phenomenal with people, and I fully expect Boston, and I'm going to make a play in Vegas on it, I fully expect Boston to have a great shot to win the championship. Love Golden State. They're really good. LeBron and the Lakers have no chance. They don't have enough talent that will mesh cohesively there. Uh, so I'm going to put my chips on the Boston Celtics. I, I like that call. I think they certainly could surprise people. And, man, the Warriors and Steve Kerr, as a member of the Bulls 3P team, knows it all too well. It's hard to make those consecutive deep playoff runs. It's a grind mentally. It's a grind physically. Uh, speaking of making plays in Vegas, Cap, before we let you go, um, first off, got to give you some credit. It hasn't come true yet, but your preseason prediction, even pre-preseason prediction for the Bears going 9-7, and seven, all of a sudden looks very realistic. I, for the first time in a long time, I'm actually excited to watch the Bears this Sunday and was bummed about a bye week. And... These Bears are really exciting, and I think that you know they they have a chance to actually maybe, if not win the division, get in as a wild card. 
I can't say I'm as optimistic on the cusp of a fresh bull season. Um, where where are you on the over under uh, for Vegas with the Bulls, which you know started at I think twenty seven and a half, it might now be bumped up a little bit to like maybe twenty eight and a half. You taking the over or under for that on the Bulls? On the Bulls, I'm going under. Ouch. I am with it. now. If Lowry had been healthy, I think it would be close. It'd be right there. But with Lowry down. The way I'm seeing guys play defense, the stuff I'm hearing on Jabari, I'm going to have to go under and say they win about 24 to 25 games. Uh, yeah, I can't say I disagree with you. Um, and, bef- I mean, we, we do have a sister show, Locked on Bears. So for, for those Bears fans who might be tuning in to get a little bit of cap talk, uh, what is what is your – have you changed from 9-7 and seven on the Bears? Are you sticking with that? And do you think 9-7 and seven will be good enough to make the playoffs, maybe as a wild-card team, if not winning the NFC North? I don't think that 9-7 and seven will be enough to get to the playoffs. But, well, you go out – for me, and some people don't agree with me, but for me, this game on Sunday in Miami is a massive game. Because let me just paint you this scenario. You win that game. You're 4-1. and one, And all of a sudden, this city is electric next week with the Patriots coming in. You lose this game, and nobody had given the Bears a chance to be 4-1, and one, A, or to beat the Patriots, even though it's in Chicago, B. You lose this game, and the Patriots do what they do, and they beat you. You're back to three and three, and everyone's like, yeah, okay, they're 500, they're this, they're that. You win this game, and who knows what you do with New England, but even if you lost that game, four and two with the Jets coming to Chicago, you still have a bunch of games that you feel like you're going to be favored in and can win on your home turf. For me, this is a massive game. you got to win on Sunday. Yeah, I'm right there with you. And I think that um, for as much success as the Dolphins have had so far this season, I'm not super impressed with the wins they have compared to their, like, you know, as far as who they've played. I think it's a winnable road game. I think it could be uh, another road win for these Bears. And, you know, you, me, I know Jordan, everyone here in Chicago is actually excited about Bears football for the first time in a long time. That's awesome. Uh, what- can we just do one thing? Can you do one thing for us, Kaplan? If, if, if anybody calls into your show, it starts talking about moving Jordan Howard as somebody who's an alma mater of Indiana. Can we can we stop that conversation, please? And especially on Twitter, that conversation happening on Twitter where a lot of people want to move Jordan Howard. To me, I would hate to see him go, and I know he's been frustrated with the Bears, but I love the guy, loved him at Indiana, and loved what he's done in the NFL. So if you could help us out a little bit and tell people that they're crazy, and maybe I'm crazy for thinking that, but tell people that they're crazy for well, wanting to trade Jordan if you put him on the market, what do you think you could get for him? Not a first or a second round pick. Neither of those. Yeah, you couldn't get a th- you couldn't get a third for him. <sighs> no chance. Adam Schefter was on with us the other day, and he said, "If Le'Veon Bell, who is light years better than Jordan Howard, if Le'Veon Bell got moved, you're probably, if you're the Steelers, getting a third round pick, probably." Now. Jordan Howard doesn't have breakaway speed. He doesn't have a great role in this offense from a pass-catching standpoint. I know he worked on it. He's a really nice back, and in the inclement weather, he should have a chance 
to be impactful for the Bears down the stretch. But they like Tariq Cohen and the role he has. They're going to throw the ball more. So I like Jordan. I do. I think he's a really nice player. But if somebody called you up and offered you a third-round draft pick, you're running and grabbing it. I just don't think anyone will. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I, I say the same. I think it's, I think it's in the Bears' best interest to just keep him as the Thunder to Tariq's lightning, and hopefully Nagy explained to his usage to him last week. It sounds like they've reached an understanding there, and as you said, Cap, especially some of those home games late in December. Jordan uh, will probably serve himself uh, to be a far more useful piece of this offense. Um, well, Cap, uh, we appreciate you being generous with your time. We know you're one of the busiest people in this city uh, with all of the various things you do. Catch Cap, uh, host of the Cap and Company show on ESPN 1000 weekdays, 9 a.m. to noon, host of Sports Talk Live weeknights on NBC Sports Chicago, and um, more college hoops coverage coming on the way as well, as Cap mentioned as we kicked off the show. So, Cap, uh, enjoy the rest of your week. Have a great time talking Cubs, talking Bears, and uh, we look forward to you stopping by the show sometime down the road. Anytime. Well, you guys got my number. You want me? I'm in. All right, buddy. Have a good one. Thanks, Cap. Well, that's going to about do it here on Locked on Bulls. Want to thank our guest, David Kaplan. Remember, he hosts Cap and Company 9 a.m. to 12 p.m. every single day, Monday through Friday on ESPN 1000, as well as Sports Talk Live every single night on NBC Sports Chicago. So check him out there. You can follow him on Twitter at the Man. You can follow us on Twitter at Jordan C. Malley, at Bulls underscore Peck, and at Locked on Bulls. On Instagram, our brand new Instagram is open and live. Follow us there at Locked on Bulls. We'll be doing a giveaway there, so make sure that you are following us, checking in with us on Instagram. We're live on Dash Radio, dashradio.com, and the Dash Radio app on the Nothing But Net channel. We're live on Dash Radio every Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday, 10 a.m. Eastern, 9 a.m. Central Time. That's tomorrow morning, 10 a.m. Eastern, 9 a.m. Central Time. For Matt Peck, for Jordan Malley, for our guest, David Kaplan, we are out of here. Bulls Nation will be back tomorrow with a fresh episode. For Jordan, Matt, and David Kaplan, we are out. Deuces. Locked on Bulls, a show for the most passionate fan base in the NBA. Hosts Jordan Malley and Matt Peck dive into the best Bulls news and stories around the NBA. Locked on Bulls is live on Dash Radio every Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday, starting at 10 a.m. Eastern, 9 a.m. Central. For more content and to stay up to date, head over to LockedOnBulls.com 